Before we kick off the show today, just a quick reminder to subscribe to Luke Hartman Show on YouTube. And if you want access to the full audio library of episodes, you can find them on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, follow me on social media at Luke Hartman and at The Luke Hartman Show. All right, let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Luke Hopman Show. I am very excited to be back here. As many of you know, I was away last week. And if I'm going to be completely honest with you, be completely transparent and tell you the truth as to why I was away for a week, the truth is I was training to fight Jake Paul. Now, many of you... Don't believe that when you hear it. You know, there's talks of Jake Paul fighting Anderson Silva, maybe Vitor Belfort, Tommy Fury, all these names, Jorge Masvidal. But the truth is, Jake Paul's next opponent is me. And that has been kept from the public because, you know, for the past week, you know, my team and Team Paul have been in talks. We are negotiating a contract right now. You know, I was offered £7 million. Actually, it was dollars, but when I convert it, it goes into seven mil. And to be honest, I wasn't in love with that number. You know, seven is an odd number. And I like even numbers. So I said, let's make it 10, because you hurt my feelings with the seven. Let's make it 10 mil. And I will accept the fight because I will accept the fight for no less than 10 million. And to be honest, guys, this past week was all about hard work, dedication, having the heart of a lion and the law of attraction. It's about having a vision. I have visualized myself beating Jake Paul. Now, we don't officially have a date for the fight yet, but I'm assuming, you know, there's rumblings that it could be late December at Madison Square Gardens. The former president, Donald Trump, will be there. You know, the current president of the UFC, Dana White, will be there. You know, Conor McGregor, Machine Gun Kelly, Megan Fox, all the stars will be out for this main event, Jake Paul versus myself, Luke Cortman. And I know this comes as a shock to a lot of you, to hear that I am fighting Jake Paul, but it's the truth. I know it's hard to believe, but it is happening. And I will see you probably December 22nd, live at MSG, live on pay-per-view. No. Um, (laughs) The truth is, for the past week, in all seriousness, I have been on a rescue mission in Afghanistan. Now, again, many of you don't believe that, but the truth is I have been rescuing innocent people from the Taliban this past week. That's why I had to prioritize. Do I do a podcast or do I save lives? So I flew into Kabul with many soldiers And we rescued a lot of people. Some would say 
that what we did was heroic. That's that's what the, that's what's being thrown out there. That word heroic, you know, you're such a hero for what you did. You know, you saved so many lives. And, you know, I'm just doing my duty as a human being on this planet. Am I supposed to just sit back and do nothing? And I said, no. I called up some of my soldier friends, you know, who I actually do have. And we went to Kabul and saved lives and made the world a better place, to be honest with you. Now, of course, this is all a joke. I'm just in a funny mood and would like to start off the show with a joke. You know? <laughs> in all seriousness now, I decided, instead of doing the podcast, this is actually true now. I know after that, that it might be hard to believe what I'm about to say next, but this is actually true. I decided to spend some time down the lake. I thought, you know what? There is a lake... This local, a local lake. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go down there and get some peace. You know, I haven't been there in many years. I thought, let me just go down there, clear my mind, shut my brain off, because it's one of the hardest things to do for me is to shut my brain off. I, I simply can't. And I went down there and I still couldn't shut my brain off because I was surrounded by about 15 swans. Now, I have had many interactions with swans. I don't know what they're all about. I haven't really looked them up on the internet to see if they're aggressive or anything. And I got nervous. There was literally about 15, possibly 20 of them surrounding me. And I got nervous. I was getting anxiety walking around by these swans. They're fucking huge. They got necks and they hit you with the necks and... Apparently, like, you know, they'll hit you with a wing and they break your arm. They'll bite your dick off if they have to. You know, but it was, besides that, besides the most, you know, getting fucked up by a group of swans, it was quite peaceful, to be honest. I went there early in the morning. You know, it was nice weather. The sun was out. And I just sat there for like 45 minutes and just... Looked at the water. And there's also a lighthouse there, which is a nice addition to the lake. But, you know, I don't go there for the lighthouse. I went there to be surrounded by nature, to tell you the truth. You know, there's a lot of like, I don't want to say bushes. They're more like trees. There's a lot of forest type of activities. You know, there's a lot there. A lot of greenery. And I'm not talking the type of smoke, even though I'm sure someone has stashed an ounce in the ground. But um, it was just nice. It was nice being there and just trying to just have a bit of peace because, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but my mind runs at 100 miles an hour. It's very difficult for me to shut off, even like when I'm at home. It's hard for me to like decompress and kind of, you know, take in everything that's fucking happened over the week. You know, it's difficult for many people, you know. If you're working a full-time job, you know, if you're out there doing that, you know, you're working five, some people are working six days a week, you're doing crazy shifts. And, you know, the only time you really have to yourself to decompress is when you get home and you put the fucking TV on. 
And for some people, they don't even get it when they go home. You know, they have their wife shouting at them or the husband shouting at them or whatever, the dog's barking too loud. Whatever it is, it's chaotic in a lot of people's lives. And trying to find that space to decompress can be challenging. And, you know, it was the move. I could have done an episode of the podcast and still not decompressed, you know, but I decided not to. And I'm sure many of you were running your mouths about it. Like, you didn't do a podcast. Shut up. Will you shut up? I am a human being. Sometimes I want to decompress. I decompress maybe once a year because the rest of the year is heavy doses of coffee, caffeine. I don't want to talk scientific. Caffeine, heavy doses. I vape like a madman. You know, I work basically seven days a week. Full-time job for five, the podcast and being a genius for the other two. Seven days a week, nonstop. It never stops. I also have high blood pressure, probably. You know, a doctor hasn't told me that, but I mean, you know, it's clear. You know, what was my point then? <laughs> no, it is. Uh, it's really good to be back. You know, I'm sure a few people were like a bit disappointed. You know, I, I'd like to think that way that some people were upset that there was no episode last week, but whatever. You know, and I just decided I needed it. I honestly needed it to take. No, no, it wasn't a break. It was just like a fucking to have a moment of peace. You know, I'm poor, have no money. I live in a shit neighborhood. Sometimes you need an escape and go to the lake and run a risk of getting beaten to death by birds. You know, swans are technically birds, aren't they? I'm, like, I know that's probably one of the dumbest things I've ever said into a microphone, but I'm sure they're birds. They have wings. If you've got wings, you're a bird. That's, that's you know, that's what I say. Go wings, you're a bird. Hey, you got wings? Guess what? You're a bird. You know? I don't think they fly, though. So maybe that is the difference between a bird and not a bird, if you can fly or not. But anyway, it was great. And there were some mansions, actually, nearby, which I wasn't even aware that they were there, these mansions. And, you know, I was looking around them, looking at... I like to look at houses I can't afford. And that I hope one day... That I will afford through hard work, dedication, and the law of attraction. As I've said at the top of this show, they were the main ingredients this week for my training against Jake Paul. I believe it in my mind. Therefore, it will happen. Isn't that right, guys? If you think it, it will happen. That's what I see all over your Facebooks. Every fucking day, there's a new quote. How you can control the universe. Shut up. You can barely control your impulses, your eating habits, your drug addictions, your alcohol consumptions, and you think you're a magician. That you will cast a spell upon the universe and that's how it will be. Isn't that the case? 
there are birds squawking and making noises really loud outside my home right now. I am wondering if those swans from the lake have showed up to my home and now they want some smoke. Because make no mistake, I will go out there right now and cause a scene. Anyway, <laughs> but I had a fun week. I received an email from the debt company in which I do business with. You know, many people know on this show, and maybe some of you don't, that I accumulated some debt a few years back. And by some, it was a five, I would say five figures, low, low five figures of debt uh, because corporations are demons and they know that they can dangle carrots in front of your faces. And the carrot in this uh, sense is a loan. They all dangle a loan in front of your face and they know that you would like to buy a new pair of Air Force Ones. Maybe you saw a T-shirt that you like. Maybe you want to take a nice girl out that you would like to have sex with. They know all these things. So they dangle loans in front of your face, knowing that you can't pay it back. Next thing you know, you've accumulated debt and you have to do business with a debt-solving company, which I have done. I won't name the company because you know they don't pay me, I pay them. Um, and they sent me an email, which they would like to have invited me to their offices, their main offices, which I believe are in London. Uh, but because of COVID and stuff like that, they were going to do these meetings over Zoom. So, okay, what's this meeting about? And they would like to have a conversation. It'd be me, them, and a debt advice service called Christians Against Poverty. And when I heard that there is a debt agency called Christians Against Poverty, I lit up. I mean, I haven't felt that much joy and happiness in a long time, knowing that there is a group out there, Christians Against Poverty, who are bringing Jesus into the debt world, into the financial world, into the money world. I was so excited. Unfortunately, I can't attend this meeting. But the thought I wanted, let me tell you something. I wanted to record, because we were going to do it on Zoom. I wanted to record it. I was going to sit right here in my podcast setup and have a meeting with my debt agency and the Christians Against Poverty. And I might have released it as an episode, if they would have granted permission, because there is a bunch of legal stuff with that. You do need their permission. But I mean, oh my God, do you understand how fun that would be? I would have been like to this Christians group. So how does Jesus feel about that? You know, how does he feel about debt companies, loan companies how do you feel about the bubble that these loan companies put you in and force you into a life of debt like jesus don't believe in debt there is the devil i'm like hmm isn't that interesting my debt agency isn't, isn't that interesting the debt is the devil 
I'd be like, so does Jesus believe that all debts should be wiped from the books? Is that what you would say Mr. Christ believes? And they would say, yes, that's I'd be like, oh, isn't that interesting? That Jesus believes all debts should be wiped. Now, let me tell you something, guys. Listen to me right now, folks. If Christians Against Poverty come to me and they say that if you give your life over to Jesus Christ, if you worship the Lord and all of your debts will be resolved, they will be gone, I will sing hallelujah. I will praise the Lord every single day and I will tell people that they are pieces of shit for not supporting Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You have no idea how quickly I will flip from my opinions I have right now on religion and Jesus and stuff like that into the biggest Jesus lover you have ever seen. I will dress up for him as Hall for Halloween. I will just dress as Jesus. I'll wear a robe. I'll grow my hair out. I'll try anyway. You know, that's not going fucking well, but what can you do? I'll take some hair loss treatment to grow my hair like Jesus. I'll read the Bible daily. You know, I will spread the word of God. If Mr. Christ is forgiven debts. I mean, the idea that there is a group out there called Christians Against Poverty. And they're like, you know, going into these focus groups. They're getting in business with debt companies. I mean, I want to know what is going on. I can't believe I can't attend the meeting. Because I'll be in work, you know. Look, you know, where's Christians Against Employment? Where's that group at? Because, you know, I'll be there in a heartbeat. Jesus don't believe in death. Dead is the devil. Jesus resolves you of all your financials, all the worries. I'm trying to do what I would imagine like an American Christian would sound like. Because, you know, I can't, when I think of a British Christian, I don't, I don't really know what I think of. I think just maybe like a white person. Just like, a, just like a, a white person. I don't know. Just like I can't really put a voice to it. You know? And listen, people are going to imagine that. Like, what? Only, only, only white people are Christians? No! I know black people are Christians. I know we have Asian Christians in the UK. Of course, Indian Christians. All the ethnicities. Christianity reaches the world. All over the world. You know what I mean? They've, you know... Christianity is so strong that it's made its way into the financial game. I, I appreciate that. You know, and I would love to communicate with them. And who knows, maybe in the future, I will get the Christians Against Poverty on this show. 100% I will do that. I, I want to know what they got to say about debt and how the Lord feels about it. You know what I mean? People are running their mouths outside of my home. And I might have to open up the window and spill hot coffee on them. Because Jesus doesn't believe in noise, especially outside of homes of comedians and podcasters when they are recording a podcast. It, Jesus doesn't believe in that. And he believes that 
you should have a cappuccino poured all over your face. You know what I mean, folks? Do you agree with me? Um, <laughs> there's, uh, I don't know what the fuck, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's interesting. Is what I'll say. Um, next, uh, I got another news story here. Or not another one. This is the first news story of the show. But this is what I found uh, rather uh, remarkable. Um, scientists believe right now that animals are shape-shifting in response to climate change. And I don't know if you've been on the internet, but so is the queen. You know what I mean? If you look on the internet, it will say very clearly, and listen, everything on the internet is true. There, there are no lies on the internet. We all know this. Um, it says very clearly on the internet that Queen Elizabeth is a shapeshifter, that she is reptilian, and that the world is run by shapeshifters. Uh, billionaire reptiles run this world. So when I saw the animals are also shapeshift. And I thought it makes sense. Humans have already shapeshifted. And now it's about time animals did it. Um, they're saying some warm-blooded animals are experiencing shifts in their body shapes, likely as a response to the pressures of climate change. Now, I'd say for the past three to six months, when COVID started to uh, like leave the new cycle a little bit, it wasn't like the main story climate change took its place. Uh, the situation in Afghanistan with the Taliban took its place. Um, they're very selective with these news stories. It's keeping, it keeps people in a constant state of fear. Like, don't forget to be scared. I can't remember, I can't remember who had that great quote. It might have been George Carlin or someone. It was like, that's their thing. It's like, don't forget to be scared now. They keep you in a constant state keep you in a constant state of that to kind of distract you from what's really going on. And now you hear that and you think, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. I'm not. Some conspiracies are actually true. Some of them are insane. You know, when you, when you say like Drake is in the Illuminati, you lose me. Shit like that. But there are actual conspiracies that are true. And shape-shifting billionaires is one of them. You know, many people know that. I, that is, that's very true. It's actually provable. Have you ever looked into the eyes of a billionaire? Have you ever saw the Queen of England on TV? It's, it's clearly reptilian. It can't be disproved, guys. We all know this. That coffee is so hot. Um, they're saying animals are getting larger beaks, legs, and ears that allow them to regulate their body temperatures as the planet gets hotter with birds particularly affected. So the planet's getting hotter. I mean, guys, of course the planet's getting hotter. Of course. I've said many times on this show, the planet that we call Earth, that we call our home, is over. It's over. Why do you think these very wealthy people uh, go into space? Why do you think Jeff Bezos is going into space? Just because he wants to see the view? Maybe. 
But more than likely, he wants to see if he can open up an Amazon sweatshop in space. That's really what he's doing. He's looking, he's looking to see where he can plant an Amazon factory because there will be business in space from Amazon. You will get deliveries from space, from the Amazon headquarters in space to Earth, which at that point will be burned to shit. You know, I mean, as much as I'm joking, I'm kind of right. The planet and the people, it's kind of, we're getting towards the end, if not already in it. If you look at society, how great that is. You know, Doja Cat was at the VMAs with a chair on her head. If you listen to the music that's going on in the world, if you look at what's happening with people, if you look at viruses this and viruses that, and, you know, extremist groups are taking over, climate change, animals are shape-shifting. I mean, does it really seem like things are going to get better? Now, I don't know. I'm just speculating on a show. I'm just playing around with ideas. I don't know if the planet is doomed, but I feel in my heart that it is. Um, I truly don't know how we actually turn everything around. If we actually can at all, I hope we can. I really hope we can turn this planet around and the people, but I mean, just take whatever you're at right now, whether you're driving to work or if you're just out driving in the car, wherever you're at the gym, wherever you're at work, wherever you are situated right now. Take a look around and ask yourself, honestly, is this going to last? And I would imagine the answer you arrived at was fuck no. But this is why I say, find something that makes you feel alive find something that you truly love to do, you know, and it doesn't have to be a job. You know, if you love spending time with your family, spend more time with your family. If you like eating pizza, eat more pizza. If you like accumulating debt, accumulate more debt. Because there is a group called Christians Against Poverty who will help you. Just enjoy the very short time that we have on this planet. Because it is a very short time. I'm actually starting to realize that. This, honestly, all jokes aside, this week did kind of teach me that in a way. It's like, man, you just got to... You just gotta try, you just gotta enjoy this thing. We're not here for that long. You know, until we figure out how to live for 200 years and stuff like that, which I'm sure when all the billionaires move to space, that they will figure that out. I know they freeze bodies and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that Walt Disney is currently frozen and they're gonna like attempt to bring that guy back at some point. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure. There are people, celebrities, of course, have been frozen and they're waiting to get the technology to be able to, like, you know, defrost them. 
and bring her back into the world. I mean, can you imagine if you've just been like, say, frozen for a hundred years, then you get defrosted on the counter, then you come back and you're like, what the fuck? And you have to learn about Doja Cat with the chair on her head. You get to watch Conor McGregor throw a drink at Machine Gun Kelly at the VMAs, which with that, MGK, what do you think you're doing? You talk shit. That's what happens. You get a glass of proper 12 whiskey thrown at your face. Chat shit, get banged, as they say. Now, listen, I know that Connor has, you know, a level of professionalism and all this shit. But at the end of the day, Connor is a professional fighter, one of the best in the world, two division champion. Uh, don't fuck with him. Now, there's a lot of stories out there as to why Connor reacted the way he did through a drink and, you know, tried to beat the shit out of him, which, by the way, everyone would have loved. No one's like Machine Gun Kelly until he went at Eminem. No one's liked him from that. So people have been waiting for him to get smacked. And the internet would have loved it. But the, the stories is out there that apparently Connor asked Machine Gun Kelly for a photo, which no one believes, by the way. No one believes that Connor was asking Machine Gun Kelly for a photo. Then the other story out there is he wanted a photo with Megan Fox. And Machine Gun Kelly was like, no, you know, you, you were a dick to Dustin Poirier and his wife. And Connor was like, is it proper 12 in your fucking face? Which, you know, is fun. It's quite wild that Connor was at the VMAs to begin with, to be honest. I know he was uh, like announcing, uh, I think he brought Justin Bieber up. Yeah, like he read that like he won a specific award, which, you know, it's kind of wild to see Connor there. But Connor has transcended fight celebrities. Like he's just a huge, one of the biggest celebrities in the world right now. So they all have him at the VMAs. And to be honest, VMAs, you should be thanking him for throwing a drink at Machine Gun Kelly. You should honestly be thanking him because no one cares about VMAs. No one watches it. Nobody gives a fuck about rappers and singers winning awards and giving political speeches about how we need to save the world and all this shit. No one cares. You're not an activist. No one gives a fuck. You should be thankful that Connor showed up and threw a drink at Machine Gun Kelly because otherwise no one would have cared. Truly. The most people watched the VMAs was that video of Connor throwing a glass of whiskey on him at the red carpet. And we all saw the picture of Doja Cat wearing a chair on her head. Other than that, nobody give a shit because it's boring. Why would anyone think that the public wants to watch award shows? You have it all, folks. You have millions, multi-millions. You have businesses. You have very lucrative careers, great careers. Some of you are talented. Most of you are not. What? And we have to sit there and watch you collect awards and then lecture us? Shut up, you pigs. I have to be quite honest here. 
you know, celebrities are worshipped. It's not so much the person as it is kind of the idea of it. Oh, you're a celebrity. Everyone loves you. The cameras are on you. You're this, that. You set trends. You know, you're an activist and all this shit. But to be quite honest, being a celebrity is disgusting. Now, when I say celebrity, I don't mean like people say like Conor McGregor, Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, like they're technically celebrities, but they, they don't act that way. They're like regular guys who are extremely talented and great at what they do. And they've accumulated fame because of it. When I say celebrity, I literally mean that, like the ones who will wear a chair in their head and sing a song. The ones who will get up, like Joaquin Phoenix at the Golden Globes or the Bathurst, wherever the fucking award show it was. And he's talking to us about milk, about saving cows, like that type of celebrity, like the Hollywood, just trying to get a job, trying to say the right thing so I can get through the right doors and get paid. They don't care about the actual issues. They want to get paid. They would like to be in the next Fast and Furious movie because it brings in a lot of international revenue. They're trying to make the right moves. They don't give a fuck about people like me and you. They don't. And you know how I can prove it? When was the last time that Doja Cat, Cardi B, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, not so much Cardi B, like Doja Cat, I don't know, name a fucking celebrity. Gal Gadot, when she's singing a song, telling you you're all going to be okay when literally the world is burning. When, were they, when did they ever show up to your home and give you some money? You know, maybe made you a meal, told you things were going to be okay. When have they ever made that effort? They haven't. You know why? Because they live in gated communities in Los Angeles, California. If you were so much... Go within 20 feet of their home. You will have a red dot on your forehead from a sniper and you will get shot at long range. Celebrities don't like you. They do not like us. They pretend they do because they maybe get some a job and they win you over because they wanted to go and see the movie or check out the latest series they got on Amazon or Hulu or HBO, whatever these companies. You are marks to them. They're just selling. They're selling fucking tickets. And you will eat that shit up. You'll watch Celebrity Big Brother and you will root for these people because they're normal just like us. Look at them. They're living in a home. You know? You see Cardi B and Jimmy Fallon making shrimp for the first time together because guess what? They're just like us. They make shrimp just like us. They eat beans out of a tin as well. And just to prove it, there's a camera, an audience, and a whole lot of zeros on a check to prove it. You know what I mean? I think the idea of celebrity is actually changing. Like, it used to be like we would put them up on such a pedestal. Like, we'd almost like 
worship celebrities. Like we look at them like they're so much like better than you. And many of them are, but many of them are not. Uh, but I think it's changing to where it's actually kind of maybe possibly the lowest position you could be on this planet is a celebrity. That type of celebrity, like I said, excluding people like the Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan type of fame is different. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's get into some more news stories here. I got a couple of fun ones here. You know, during that week off, I had a lot of time to accumulate some stuff. Uh, this is an example of people who have money and just want to waste it. Um, scientists want to resurrect the woolly mammoth. They just got $15 million to make it happen. $15 million is what a man is willing to spend into bringing a woolly mammoth back onto this planet. Because this is another thing to do with climate change. Apparently, woolly mammoths can save this planet from burning in hell. And they're on a mission to making that happen. Uh, it says, geneticists led by Harvard Medical School's George Church aimed to bring the woolly mammoth, which disappeared 4,000 years ago. By the way, the mammoth had the right idea. Get out early. 4,000 years ago, this fucking thing was like, listen, I'm out. Um, they're trying to bring it back to life. Proponents say bringing back the mammoth in an altered form could help restore the fragile Arctic tundra ecosystem, combat the climate crisis, and preserve the endangered Asian elephant. And it's only going to cost 15 mil. Now, a woolly mammoth is just an elephant with hair. That's all it really is. Um, I mean, is there nothing else you could spend $15 million on? Instead of bringing back an elephant that clearly didn't want to be around you, it doesn't want to be brought back. I mean, the fact, the fact that that is actually even like a possibility, like there's a route to bringing back a woolly mammoth that was like 4,000 years ago with just a little bit of cash is crazy to me. We are innovating at a super high speed and it will eventually be our downfall. It is eventually uh, going to kill us in our sleep. Artificial intelligence is here. It's getting better. It's only going to get better. And I mean, I don't know. You've got to, I think we all have a choice to make in all seriousness when artificial intelligence comes. Do you, do you think, you know, fuck this. I'm going to go live in the woods with the woolly mammoths, you know, and the swans, and I'm not going to bother with it or you will get a tech finger in the ass. That's the choice. And as much, like, it's going to be fun. When everything just becomes tech, it is going to be fun, I think. Everyone will live at home in a pod with the VR goggles on and the headsets, and that'll just be it. No one will go out anymore. No one, no one will have to work. They can just do it from a headset. That's all going to be fun. But what it leads to is AI most likely taken over completely to where we are no longer the dominant species on this planet. Now, that's what scientists 
have told me that I talk to on a daily basis. I have a lot of friends who are scientists. They're in technology. They're in big tech. You know, I have, I don't want to brag, but I have Elon Musk on speed dial. I, I don't, I didn't want to come on and brag about that, but that's the kind of circles that I run in. I'm very good friends with billionaires of tech companies who are innovators like Elon Musk. And that, and that is a fact. And I know, I know many of you also don't believe that, but I think it's very short-sighted that you wouldn't believe that because to be honest with you, I always tell the truth. I have never told a lie before uh, because it's against the Lord, Jesus Christ, who doesn't believe in debt. Um, <laughs> I want to get into one of my favorite segments on this show. God damn, it is so good to be back here. Uh, one of my favorite segments on this show. One of your favorite segments on this show. Everyone's favorite segment on this show. It is questions from the internet. Da, 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 da. Question number one. Have you ever been to a strip club? No. Surprisingly, I have not been to a strip club. I hear they have great food. I hear the burgers and the chicken fingers are incredible. They rival the great restaurants of the UK. Um, no, I've never been to a strip club. Um, I would go to a strip club and get a lap dance, but I would have to like, I would have to have a lot of money. Like, I know people like, will just like get their wages at the end of the month and they'll spend like 400 pounds in a strip club and they have to eat peanuts for the rest of the month and super noodles because they blew it all at the strip club. Now, it seems like a waste of money while you have no money. Like if you've got a lot of money, like let's say you bring in five figures a month, knock yourself out. That's, it's, a, it's a good move. Go to a strip club, get a dance, do whatever, you know, do something strange for a little bit of change. Whatever it is you got to do. You can afford to do it, so you do it. But like if you're like a minimum wage job, and you know, when you're dropping four hunch at the strip club, I mean, what are we doing? It's not worth it, to be honest. We have the internet. Just go and pawn up. You know what I mean? There's only fans. You know, join yourself. Do whatever you want to do. But it just seems like a waste of money if you have no money. And many people will agree with me. And then there are other people who are scumbags who disagree with me. And they say it's about the experience. You can get drunk and watch chicks dance. Great. That's great. But you can't afford to do it. So don't do it. And you can't even have sex with them, can you? I don't think that's how it works. You can't even touch them. You basically go to a strip club to be a cuck. She dances. You ain't allowed to touch and you have to give her money. And if you don't tip, she will pull a blade out of her heels and stab you in the throat. So, I mean, there's a lot of risk going to a strip club. And if you don't tip enough, you know, you might even get a pimp chasing you out the club. You know. But it does seem like a fun time going to a strip club. Like, there's always, like, some motley crew type of, she works hard for the money, that type of fucking music. 
going on there. I've seen, I've seen uh, movie scenes of strip clubs. It seems like a good time, but I'm sure when you actually go to one, the floors are sticky, the food is terrible, the girls, you know, they got scars. Is is not pretty, you know. So I've never been to a strip club, but I would when I have money. When YouTube or one of these fucking companies cuts out a check for me, I will go to a strip club. And I will record a podcast at a strip club because I also believe in business and the pleasure. People say, all work, no play. I believe in doing both at the same time. I believe in doing a podcast and talking about the current state of the world and the planet while a stripper shakes her ass in my face. Maybe that's me. Um, (laughs) Next question. Do you have... Any family heirlooms? Now, an heirloom, that's something, that's something like you inherit, something that's like passed down. Right, let's just assume that it is. I'm pretty sure that a family heirloom is something that gets passed down. Um, do I have any family heirlooms? I would say alcoholism. Um, yeah. A lot of alcoholics on my father's, my biological father's side of the family, which by the way, you can always tell that someone's dad wasn't there for them when you call him your biological father. Even if you got, even if you just got like a stepdad, like, right, that's my dad's my stepdad. No, biological means he was absent. Um, so yeah, I would say alcoholism is a family heirloom that has been passed around quite Quite a lot during, uh, from my family, alcoholism. Now, I was never an alcoholic. I was just very good at consuming alcohol. I was very good at drinking. I could drink a lot. I, I would just out drink people. I would get fucked up. Never paralytic. I think maybe once in my life, I fell over and like hit my head. Uh, you know, what can you do? Um, I black out every time that I drink now. Uh, even if it's just a couple, which is why, again, I had to decide to knock that on the head. Um, yeah, I've had struggles with it. I enjoy it too much. And I want to get fucked up a lot on the weekends. And I always do stupid shit. And it's a curse. It's one of the Cartman curses. You know, drinking. It, it's just, it's a thing. On my father's side of the family. Now, my mother's side of the family, great people. No, no addictions. Great human beings, you know. So, um, alcoholism definitely. I would also say this is a positive thing. I can't be much about to say a positive thing about my family. Um, there is like creative talent in some people on my father's side of the family. There is. You know, musicians, comedians like myself, actors, artists, whatever, you know, whatever the fuck. You know, it's kind of, there is that. Like, my biological father was a singer, you know? He used to sing like, kind of like Frank Sinatra, love type of songs. Like, I never really took it anywhere. You know, I mean, shit happens, but there is like, there is like creative talent. Um, but the alcohol, 
probably gone the way of it for a lot of fucking people, to be honest. Like, it can sink you. It really can. Like, I've noticed that, like, the drinking, it throws me off my game. Like, I'm not as good while I'm drinking. It's even just in day-to-day life, but even creatively, like, I don't think it helps me. You know? Yeah. So I would say any family heirlooms? Yeah, there's a couple. A couple heirlooms. Uh, next question. If someone asked you to give them a random piece of advice, what would you say? If I was going to give someone a random piece of advice, I would say create an NFT, NFT artwork and sell it for millions. Create an OnlyFans account. Um, look into 9-11 because there's a lot to look into there. Uh Disown your family and listen to the Luke Hartman show. Available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Subscribe, leave a comment, like the video, all that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of the move in this world. Create NFT artwork. I'm sure, sure there was a story recently that someone like wrote the word test on a computer. Like it was terrible handwriting and it sold for. Let's have a look. I actually got it here. Uh, an NFT of handwritten test on a computer sold for $270,000. Six figures. I mean, NFTs, it's insane the money they're making. So yeah, create an NFT, create an OnlyFans. Um, you don't have to be female. You don't even have to be a gender. You could be non-binary and create an OnlyFans account. Whatever you want to do in today's world, there's nothing off the table here. You know, if you're agendered, if you're not, it doesn't matter. Get on OnlyFans, make some cash. Leave your nine to five and make some cash. Um, look into 9-11. You know, recently it was the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. Um, that I was like, around those days, I was watching like a lot on 9-11. I was watching a documentary called Fahrenheit 9-11 which was made by Michael Moore and it goes into like Bush and all that time. And what was actually really interesting in that documentary, something I noticed and I was like, what the fuck? There's a point where, you know, they're trying to recruit people to go in the US military to go over to uh, Baghdad. Um, And there's two recruitment officers and the camera follows them like going around, literally just going up to guys in the street, trying to sell them on why they should join the military. And it's like, it's it's a disgusting sale is what I'll say. It's just disgusting how they sell it. But what was crazy is one of the recruitment officers, his last name was Courtman. Now, Courtman is not a common name. It just isn't. It originated in England, uh, which is my biological father's from England. And a lot of my family on that side is from England. A lot of them still live in England. Um, And... What's crazy is I was looking at the guy thinking, I wonder if somewhere we're fucking related, me and this guy, the army recruitment officer from the 9-11 documentary, because a family member did some research into like our lineage. You know, this was before 23 and me and all that. And there's obviously there's English, obviously Welsh, Irish, Scottish. Like we've got all the islands, you know, British as fuck. But there's also... American, Australian, and there was one more that I can't remember. 
by American and Austrian. And apparently in the late 1700s, a group of Cortmans from England went to Virginia in the United States. And I'm pretty sure the state that those army recruitment officers were in was Virginia. So I'd be very interested to know if, oh, Luke over here is part American. It would make sense. I just thought that was crazy. I was just watching a 9-11 documentary. I've never seen that in a TV show, a movie, a series, anything. I've never heard the court, my name outside of my family. So, you know, at least my name made into Fahrenheit 9-11. And, you know, I was watching the documentary and when it finished, I had to go to bed. Like 9-11 is not something I've really like looked into a lot. Like obviously I know that it happened and you hear rumblings of possible involvements in and things like that, but I never actually knew that was just something like 15 of the 19 hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. Yet Bush used it to go to war with a country that had nothing to do with it, that being Iraq, Afghanistan, like they had nothing to do with it. Like learning that type of stuff, I was like, that's crazy. You learn about the Carlisle group and George Bush Sr., his involvement in the Carlisle group and all these Saudis who put money into the group. And it was just like, I was just like, what the fuck? Like this... And like the fact that there was something like 20 pages missing from the report, uh, the fact there was not really an investigation. Um, apparently two days later, uh, some of the Bin Laden family and something like a hundred Saudis were given passage out of the United States. They were put on private jets. They were put on commercial planes while the rest of the country wasn't allowed to fly anywhere. Some of the Bin Laden family and some of these Saudis were given safe passage out of the country. I don't know what's true, and I don't know what isn't true, but it was very fucking interesting. Very interesting. And there was also one that uh, Netflix put out called uh, Turning Point 9-11 and the World on Terror. Now, I mean, it'll just... It's, it's fucking crazy. Like, I know the world is run by demons. The demons won, guys. I know you want to pretend that you're going to protest and there's going to be a revolution. And, you know, I have rights. They don't give a fuck. They've already won and they will continue to win and they will leave this planet while we all burn. That's just what it is, guys. You know? But, I mean, it was just, it was crazy watching this documentary. I was like, oh, my God. It just, it reminds you, you know, of just the kind of like the crazy shit that goes on in this world and the horrible fucking incredibly dangerous people like all these extremist groups and shit you're like oh my god man it's depressing it's very depressing i had to go to sleep i had to go to bed it was too fucking much but what was the question again oh yeah if i was gonna give someone a random piece of advice yeah nft only fans look into 9-11 disown your family i will repeat disown your family they don't love you they don't care about you they think you're a scumbag just do yourself a favor. <laughs> and also, the most important one, last but not least, listen to the Luke Cartman show, your favorite up-and-coming comedy podcast. Uh, next question. What potential talents do you think you might have if you worked at them? Uh, what talents do I think I could have if I just worked at them? 
to be honest with you, I think I could be the greatest basketball player in the history of basketball. If I just worked at it, I think if I really applied myself, if I continued with the heart of a lion that I have and that I use the law of attraction to work for me and not against me, I believe if I just believe in myself, I could be better than Michael Jordan. It doesn't matter that I'm only 6'1", 175 pounds, and I'm not really that good at basketball. It doesn't matter, guys, because if I just believe in myself and if I just work hard and be dedicated, I can be better than Michael Jordan. So, do you know what I mean? (laughs) By the way, that is how a lot of you sound when you talk. If I just believe it, but just dedicate myself and work hard, I can do it. Because guess what? A motivational speaker on fucking YouTube told me so. Um, I'm getting carried away a little bit. <laughs> I'm feeling extra mean today. It's fun. When I drink coffee, I feel a little bit mean. I get a little bit spicy. Um, but potential talents. I think, in all honesty, I could be a real estate tycoon. I could also be an oil magnate. I could honestly be a trillionaire if I just apply myself. Um, um, what potential talents do I actually think I might have if I worked at them? Um, maybe, like, in all honesty, uh, probably, like, music production. I think I could actually do shit with that based on what it was like when I first started. Oh, my God, there's definitely something in There's an aptitude there for it. You know, many people do things on this planet today that they have no aptitude for and they waste 40 years of their life uh, not realizing they actually didn't have an aptitude for it to begin with. Um, So, yeah, I would say, honestly, the best basketball player on planet Earth ever in history, to be quite honest, I could be the biggest real estate agent you've ever seen. Um, And I could also sell oil at a reasonably fair price. Um, next question and the final question from the internet what do you think of buffets what do I think of buffets um, buffets are for pigs to be honest it's like a trough you know when you see pigs and they just go up and eat at the trough that's really what it is like now I've been to a Chinese buffet before and it was, it was, it was great to be honest the atmosphere was nice there was a waterfall. There was like a Buddha statue with water flying out of his mouth. And it was a great environment. I must be honest. There was nice music playing. You know, I was with my girlfriend at the time. I think I told this story actually recently that I was dressed like an asshole at this buffet because I don't know how to, I didn't know how to conduct myself at a restaurant uh, back then. But now I do. Now I dress exquisitely. Uh, yesterday, I bought myself a Ralph Lauren T-shirt, which I will probably wear on the next episode because that's what life is all about for me right now. Ralph Lauren T-shirts. Uh, I, I'm playing golf. I'm going to be playing golf in a couple of weeks, going down to the driving range, um, going to nice restaurants, throwing money at people, uh, telling people to fuck off when I choose, uh, going down to lakes to see the mansions, and that's just how I want to live now. You know, what I mean, there's no more buffets. You know, unless it costs at least a grand to get through the door. If it's not an exclusive buffet, I don't want to go. You know what I mean? 
we have to, you know, the other day, this actually reminds me, the other day I went shopping to a supermarket. Uh, it's an extremely, you know, homeless, vacated supermarket. They're always sleeping outside, begging for change and, you know, speaking in tongues. And there's like a Burger King around the corner. And I was going past there. And this was 10.30 in the morning. And there's a guy probably around my age eating Burger King, 10.30 in the morning. I mean, you have to be such a piece of shit to be in Burger King, a meal at Burger King at 10.30 in the morning. Shouldn't you be in bed? Shouldn't you be having at least a cup of coffee at home if, you know, maybe you got up early? Instead, you're having dinner for one at Burger King. I mean, the level of scumbags in society makes me sick. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's honestly wild. I don't know anyone, especially not in my circle, who would eat Burger King at 10.30 in the morning. Now, if you're going to McDonald's for breakfast, I'll let, I'll let, it's okay. I'll let, you, I'll let it slide. Based on the fact that it is a breakfast. Now, as far as I know, Burger King don't sell breakfast. They sell you deep-fried burgers, which I, uh, from what I understand, they're not cheap. And, you know, it's just, it's garbage in a bun. But people love it, and it's like cracked. But uh, McDonald's breakfast, I would accept you doing. You know, you can be my friend if you have McDonald's. But don't make a habit of it, if I have a McDonald's breakfast. You know, there's only so many hash browns you can eat before I lose my patience with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> For some reason, when I put on this Beverly Hills Polo Club t-shirt, I feel like a rich person, and I just want to shout at people and kind of abuse my power that way. I'm like, listen, get off my property right now before the authorities are down here, and I throw you and your family in jail. It kind of, it makes me, it does, it makes me feel like a rich guy, you know, which I got to be honest, I am very much about to embark into that world a bit more. Like I'm playing golf in the next couple of weeks. It is happening, guys. And I am so fucking ready for it. And I honestly don't care what people think. I have been looking up on YouTube how to swing a golf club correctly, the different types of golf clubs. I have been Im immersing myself in the world. And it doesn't cost a lot of money to actually go to this range, to be honest, in all seriousness. It's like, when you pay £10, you get like, you know, 100 balls and you rent out a couple of clubs, a couple of golf clubs. So I'm going to go there with the boys and have a good time. I mean, it actually does look like fun. Many people associate golf with all the rich people who have retired and ain't got shit to do. But I want to end that stigma. I want to show the world that golf is not only for old people and Tiger Woods, that it can also be for young comedians who are taking over the world. That's what I believe. I want to change that stigma. And yes, I do want to do a podcast at a golf course, but you know, some things should just be left separate. Maybe I could. If it was like, you know, let's say like I belong to an actual club, which I'm not going to go that far, guys. Do not get it fucking twisted. I know it sounds unlikable. I'm going to be playing golf. I'm not going to wear polo shirts. I'm not going to belong to a country club and drink whiskey with a pinky up. It's not happening. I'm still a regular poor person like you. I will, I will, and they will realize that. I bet they can sniff it. 
when you walk into a golf range or a club, they can smell poor people. There's a scent. It smells like baked beans and bad credit. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that was questions from the internet. What time are we at? We're an hour. Woo! This was an extremely uplifting, positive episode, if you ask me. You know, it was really fun. I have to be honest. Uh, thank you all for joining me. Thank you all for being patient for me to bring this episode up. But let's be honest, what else are you going to do other than wait for another episode of the Luke Hartman show? You know, it's what it is. Um, nah, for real. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for viewing. Again, subscribe to Luke Hartman show on YouTube. Subscribe, all that stuff. Um, you know, follow me on social media at Luke Hartman and at the Luke Hartman show. And I'll be back with you all soon for another episode of the Luke Cartman Show. This is the Luke Cartman Show. I'm Luke Cartman. Peace.